0: Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence He shall cover you with feathers and under his wings shall you take refuge oh, He shall cover you with feathers and under his wings shall you take refuge His truth shall be your shield and work you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come near you. you. Mm-hmm. shall you look, and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High your dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall tread underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. From the snare of the fowler And from the perilous pestilence He shall cover you with feathers And under his wings Shall you take refuge Oh He shall cover you with feathers And under his wings Shall you take refuge His truth shall be your and thousand at thy right hand But it shall not come near you
1: Good morning everybody Isn't that a wonderful song? That is victory boyd psalm 91 and um sherry y'all may know where his lens in chat on um uh, on telegram sherry sent that to me the other day and i tell you what the power in that woman's voice was just it give me goosebumps and i thought i'd share it again today because um it's a rainy day and we just need some more motivation over here I heard that Texas finally got a little bit of rain, which was nice. Um, Tam's area has been very dry. A lot of us is uh, we are in the southeast. We've just been getting hit with storm after storm after storm. And it looks like according to what AccuWeather, you know, those apps aren't very accurate, which is ironic. Um, I prefer Ryan Hall, but for a general day-to-day kind of look and to be able to see the radar so you can kind of judge yourself if the radar's right. Um, It was showing like every other day, we're gonna be nailed with storms. And I just thought just here in South Carolina, I think um, Alabama, Georgia, North Carolina, those parts are really gonna get hit the worst with this storm system that's coming through. There's a lot of wind. Those areas that I mentioned are at risk tornado activity which we have already had some we've already had some Um, got a lot of crazy stuff going on with the weather suspicious observers uh, if you guys don't know him he's on YouTube he's been talking about the solar flares the CMEs and with the polar shifts so if you haven't checked him out he's great Dutch sense also on YouTube um, has been very good at forecasting the earthquakes I'm gonna tell you Dutch sense, I was listening to you know because I get my information from a lot of different sources don't just rely on one source Um, I compare and contrast and bounce around and a lot it's through peer-to-peer news you know so like like Dutch and like Ryan Hall and people that aren't getting paid to promote an agenda like mainstream media is you know, And that with the loudest voice is the one that tells the story, right? So I'm not listening to those loud, obnoxious voices of mainstream media. I'm listening to the ones that are like us. And Dutch was talking about how the San Andreas fault line is very active right now. So California, you guys watch out. Um, Nevada as well. Idaho, they had a, um, a lot of fires down that way that went through. And so there's been a lot of... Uh, just craziness in our weather, a lot of uncertainty and there's uncertainty in our lives and, and we're seeing God rip out of the public eye more lately. It's, it's sad to see, but it's, it's been all, it's all been predicted. Like there's nothing new that they're doing. We haven't read or seen or have been told about. These are the same games, just a different time. So don't let them distract you from anything. And today, you know, we finished up Lamentations on Monday. So I didn't want to start Ezekiel on a, on a Thursday. So we're going to get Ezekiel up on Monday. Today, um, of course, this is Sister on Scripture. So this morning, we're going to go over what is the separation of church and state. And I also want to cover a little bit about the fruits. Um, the judgment of nations and how to judge the fruit because our fruit is how we're gonna be judged and it's how others are judged. So we need to be making sure that our fruit is good fruit, that we're not putting out sour, rotten fruit or fruit that's good, but once it falls off the bond, it just goes away. And by that, what I mean with that, you know, when we go into church or You listen to a sermon or something like that. And then you, you, you've got this spirit. You've got that Holy Spirit rolling through your body and your head and you're shouting. And you know, you're just, you feel invincible, right? But then you get out there and you know, you get your, okay. So Sunday you're at church. Okay. If you go to church on Saturday, awesome. I'm not going to debate which day is the Sabbath day. It's, it's not worth that to me i've seen what jesus has said and done and so i just follow that um on the weekends on saturday and sunday and just try to uphold his law that way because there's a lot of conflict anyway um with the churches it's oh, sorry i got sidetracked completely there the churches and all we we're seeing so much oh yeah sorry squirrel. Y'all know i'm famous for that so you go to work on monday after you leave church on sunday you go to work on monday and so that's like the apple it's on the tree at church the apple falls off the tree onto the ground when you go into work and when you get home from work you go out there to check on your fruit and all of a sudden your fruit's got a spot Why? Well, probably because when you were at work Monday that you let the Holy Spirit leave you instead of renewing that Holy Spirit when you woke up in the morning and read or prayed. You don't even have to read this. I mean, it's great if you do read scripture in the mornings or whenever you read it. It's great to, to just read some each day. That's that's polishing your armor. You know, the word of God
0: is our armor. And so,
1: like, if we're at work or if we're in our day-to-day lives and we aren't, we don't have our armor polished, we haven't, you know, we're going to be confronted with something, especially right now with the transgender stuff going on. The Bible says in Genesis what a man and a woman is. God, I mean, can you can you believe? I never, it was I never questioned God on, you know, what a man and a woman is, what a boy is, what a girl is. I never questioned it, you know, it is what it is. And everything in the Bible, we call it the living word, because everything in the Bible is active. You know, the living word is active, like like a two-edged sword, I think is how the scripture goes, like a double-edged sword, it's living and active. and I never thought I would, you know, that I would need to be, I would need to have sexes defined. I never thought anybody did. But obviously, you know how you see the hot, warning, hot coffee on your coffee cups now, especially if you go through McDonald's because somebody coffee, it was too hot and they sued them. So, you know, when you see something in there, there's a reason, you know, especially in the very first book of the Bible. The first book and the last book, um, they're there, Alpha, Omega, beginning, the end. They're there for a reason. They're in those places because that was the most of it that God wanted. If somebody just flipped it open and didn't take much time, but they wanted, you know, people read the beginning of the book and the end of a book to see if they're going to like it, right? Well, God wanted it organized in such a way that people that were just curious would get something. And to have to put what man and woman was defining at the time, we never could fathom it, right? But then we're seeing now, you know, people don't know if they're a boy or a girl, which is absolute insanity to me. Um, Because like with women, you know, we're born, women. women are very meticulously designed. God our bodies because we are life givers you know God uses our body as a vessel to give life and all of eggs that you're going to have like each egg that you're ever going to have for your entire life is in your body when you're born when your mother gives birth all your eggs that you're ever going to have for your entire life is is in you not like with men men continue to make sperm. They can make sperm if they're, you know, hundred something years old. Look at Abraham, you know, Abraham and Sarah, they were very old in their hundreds. I think Sarah was in her nineties. And so, you know, they were still able to conceive. Well, if, and, that, and I use that topic because that's the one that's, that's the biggest in my heart right now, um, protecting these. From that and so if you get somebody that's like well yeah, sex is man and woman but gender is da 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 you, you've got something to back you to argue on if you don't polish that you can't you know when you go into work say on Monday and you've got a co-worker who comes to you and is having doubt and is having issues because their nine-year-old just decided that they heard some stuff at public school and don't know if if he's a boy now we have to be able to to help others as christians as as followers of christ we are called and it is demanded of us it is a requirement that we go out and preach the word that we teach the word and we help others so we have to be able to to have the knowledge and the wisdom that's contained in these 66 books in this one gigantic book, those 66 books give us all of the answers that we need. It gives us all the the um, the arrows in our quiver. You know, that that's our arsenal, is our scripture. And that's why we're really trying hard to pull Christ out of, out of church, I mean, not out of church, out of schools, out of day-to-day life, Evil is abound, and evil is here, and evil is staying until Jesus returns and and flushes out the evil. So it's very important to understand what the separation, what is the separation of church and state. And so now on Thursday, the 10th of August, in the year of our Lord 2023, we're going to jump into the word. If anybody has any prayer requests, leave them in the chat. And we will get them. We'll pray, pray it up at the end because prayer changes things guys. I'm on day four waking up pain free. And that is amazing. Um, I did pass a gigantic kidney stone today. I'll save y'all from that. Um, and, and it's because of persistent prayer. I, I posted a praise report on the christ followers of bards fm for our our prayer day um letting people know you know because we've been praying people have been praying for me and i i am so thankful for that because i was getting i was getting very discouraged um because i had been in a lot of pain and and had been you know I just I was I felt guilty in a way because here I am asking for the same thing over and over again when so many people like Kit Kat lost her brother and then everything going on with her and her family you know it's like well they need that that space of prayer or like Lisa and what she was going through and is going through with her dad you know suicide is Pain is so much smaller than suicide. Pain is so much smaller than death. Pain is so much smaller than all other things, but you know what? God says that none of it is smaller than any of it. None of it, we we should not compare because it does it. Just like, you know, we, we try to wrap our heads around, how can a murderer be saved? How can a murderer get into heaven? how is that sin the same as my sin of telling a lie or or not even just a lie but not even like we've talked about being the peter you know when the rooster crows you know with these children if we're not standing up against the transgender then you know that in a way is itself sinful if we are are judging without just cause without having you have to have two or more in order to confront a brother or sister about something wrong they're doing. If not, you're sinning. You know, there's a lot of different ways that we can sin. And it's like, well, how is that the same as mine? You know, we compare. It's like, "Mm, that's not as bad. That's worse. That's yada, yada, yada. Well, it's not, because all sin is the same. So all prayer requests to God are the same. It's the faith. It's the the persistent prayer. And I want to read something that was um led to me by song, scripture, and my thoughts. We prayed for her and her family on Monday. And she says, um, because I did talk about, you know, being depressed and stuff. Or not depressed. About being embarrassed about asking for the same prayer over and over again. I was discouraged. But I was like, I'm still... I'm learning to have persistent prayers. You know, even if it seems like I'm not getting the answer I want, like with my health and this pain, I felt discouraged asking for, for my health week after week, day after day, and it's staying the same or getting worse. So I stopped asking. That's what def, That's what the evil wants us to do. And I, I said that was evil, trying to manipulate my thoughts by deception, continuing to pray and ask relief for Relief during each blessing over my food, each morning, every morning when I wake and before bed. Even during the day, I kept asking Father for relief because there's so much to be done here. And the type of pain that I was getting was limiting me to even being able to stand up. And nothing was making it better, nothing. So I would pray. And you know, I was so glad that I kept on praying And so what some scripture, my thoughts said, she said, good morning, Nikki. I'm so thankful to God for healing you. I hear you regarding asking over and over again. It can lead to not asking for prayer. It becomes a feeling of discouragement and defeat, but also even somewhat of an embarrassment to keep asking. In the last few, in the last few months, I've remembered the parable of the persistent widow and she just kept asking. I think God left us that example so we would stop, wouldn't stop asking. I know I've been on here and on live shows asking and asking. And she said, I love you, sis, and I'm so thankful you're with me. And she gave me this scripture, Luke 18, 1 through 8, which is the parable of the persistent widow. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because of because keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's powerful. And that I, I, I'm certain I can't be the only one that has asked for a prayer, and and it, it not be answered in the time that I want. And so, I maybe ask again, and then it's still not answered, and, and so I quit, you know, get discouraged from asking, or somebody might get discouraged from asking, and it's so important that we we don't, because that's just evil trying to, to manipulate us, and take us away from what Father desires what he wants for us. And that's exactly what what we're seeing in the world. Hallelujah, Mary. I'm so glad you were healed too. Mary Allen says, I went through years of lupus before I was healed. And I think that's, you know, that's me. I've, since I got back from Bart's Fest, I have stopped a couple of medications. Um, and so, it threw my, my body out of whack because my body was getting dependent on the prednisone because I was taking prednisone twice a day and had been doing that since 2019. Um, and so, my body had to readjust because the more you take that, the less your body produces cortisol. Um, cortisol is a natural anti-inflammatory and, and it's a stress hormone. And if you keep putting something in your body that's giving it artificial, like the prednisone, the natural mechanisms that God created stop working. It it stops. It's like, oh, okay, well, you don't need me. Kind of that use it or lose it thing. Dale, yes, it. he says, Dale says it's the daily thing to pray for my adult kids brother, yes. I think I pray more now for, I mean, I prayed a lot for my children. Don't get me wrong, but I seem to find myself in more prayer now Um, with my oldest, uh, the oldest two that that aren't at home than I ever did before. And now we've got our baby, Brianna, is moving out Saturday. She moves into the college dorms and so yeah, I've been praying heavily for that child too, because I don't. She's got a bad dorm, guys. This dorm is so old, and uh, it's not just the age, but there's there's no AC, and and it it looks awful. And you know the amount that you pay for college tuition, even with scholarships and grants and stuff like that. I mean, we my husband about had a coronary. He got he saw the bill and realized that it wasn't just the one time payment. It was, you know, for August, September, October, November. And then repeat January, February, March, April. We get a summer break, just like she does. Um, but it was just it's a lot. And so we were like, How in the world are they gonna put these kids in this place and we're paying this? What? But, you know, she'll God's gonna use her at that place for a reason. He got her there. And when it's time, if it's time for her to get moved to a different one, she will. But we do, yes, it's, it's like we just pray and pray and pray and pray because our kids, you know, when they get grown and out there on their own, we can't have them protected under our wing as much as easy, you know, we, we can't keep them from harm because, you know, at home we can limit the number of things that could cause issues. But about there is none, you know, it's it's just that you raise them up the best that you can. You give them good advice. That's sound advice based off of the wisdom that God has given us. And you just pray, you know, that that's prayer. So many people chop up prayer to being small. Prayer is huge, and prayer changes things, which is why I love our weekly prayer requests that we do and pray for everybody. But with that, I think I'm going to dive into some scripture, guys. I thought, I think I've talked enough, and want to get into some of the word, so we're going to get into the separation of
2: church and state.
1: And I'm reading this out of the Founder's Bible. So if you have one, you can follow along. This is, um, it's right after John 18, 18, um, page 1656 is where it starts. Today, no phrase is more often used as a weapon to bludgeon religious faith into invisibility than the phrase separation of church and state. Allow a student to say God at graduation. And I'm going to stop this one right here because our school is that way. Um, Her high school, they actually, they said a prayer. Um, Many things were given to God, many praises. But a lot of them are where you can't say God at graduation. But like Murphet, Murphet, she's in nevada no arizona one of those two and she's a teacher and there's many teachers out here so i want to give you teachers props guys um for going against what the establishment is saying and telling you to do her school system she's able to speak out and they're not like that there are some of the big, I think the the further west you get like California, especially Oregon, Washington, even, you know, that stuff spread starts in either there. Or it starts in New York and it spreads its way to try to, you know, suffocate the states from the outside. And it's not like that in every one of them. So guys work on trying to save your schools while homeschooling. Don't let them be in public school right now but homeschool and and go to the meetings and try to get involved. Permit a kindergartner to pray over his own lunch. Unthinkable. While the rest of the nation is entitled to the First Amendment's guarantee for free speech, Christians are routinely denied that protection if their free speech involves expressing sincerely held religious faith in public. Thank you, Tam. I thought it was Nevada. Was separation of church and state actually intended to create a secular sphere, Or was it intended to protect the free exercise of religious expression in public? Was it designed to make sure the state could not intrude and limit religious speech? Or was it designed to create religious free zones, secular, atheistic havens, free from intrusion by God? Are we erecting a wall of separation to keep God out? Does it mandate that anything public or government governmental of legal necessity be entirely secular and atheist? Sorry, I have a hard time with that one. Atheistic? theistic, Or are God and faith allowed to come out and play as part of the public domain? Must any kind of religion be guaranteed quarantined, entirely at home, in the private sector. To answer this, one must know the history of the clause and its purpose and intent. An overview of the history of the separation of church and state over the past two millennia was given by the Reverend John Wise. um, He lived 1652, 1725. Considered one of the six greatest intellectual, intellectual forces influencing the founding era. Wise identified three distinct periods regarding the separation of church and state. Period 1 was the three centuries of Christianity immediately following Christ. According to Wise, this was the most refined and purest time both as to faith and manners that the Christian church has been honored with. During that time, the church and state recognized their separate jurisdictions and honored their separate roles. This can be described as the period of purity. Period two spans the next 12 centuries and was a time when the state took control of the church, merging the two separate institutions into one. This began in 390 when the Emperor Theodosius the I unilaterally assumed control of the church and related it. Sorry, I had to clear my throat. And assimilated it into the state, decreeing Christianity as the official of the empire and declaring all other religions illegal. Thereafter, emperors of the state regularly made themselves head of the church, with church officials not only answering to the state, to state authorities, but even being required to enforce any religious doctrines the state decreed in this was a distinct lack of religious toleration and protection for the rights of conscience absolute religious conformity was vigorously enforced by the state nearly every negative incident in the world history in world history associated with christianity the inquisition the crusades etc occurred during this time Wise correctly characterized this period as one that openly put itself to the scandal of the Christian religion, a time when the Christian, would be, Christian world became a most notorious apostate. Period 2 is therefore known as the period of apostasy. Period 3 is when, according to Wise, many famous persons memorable and ecclesiastical history being moved by the Spirit of God and according to Holy Writ led the way in the face of all danger, danger for the good of Christendom. Early seeds of the positive change began with the efforts of numerous Bible-oriented Catholic leaders including John Wy- Wycliffe to called the morning star of the Reformation. Over the next two centuries, nearly two dozen additional Catholic and non-Catholic leaders in at least seven different European nations likewise emphasized a return to the Bible as the guidebook for all aspects of life and living. This meant separation, separating the state from the church, allowing the church to determine its own theological doctrines and practices, permitting religious toleration and protecting the rights of conscience to discover that God himself established the separation of church. Oh, I'm sorry. Ah, I don't need to read that. Um, If you wanted to see why, for why he established the separation of church, there's a um, commentary in the Founders Bible that accompanies 2 Chronicles 26. And to see why he did so, there's a commentary on 1 Corinthians 8. I'm not going to read those right now, but if you do have a Founder's Bible, you can read this. This third era is called the period of Reformation, and the call to separate the state from the church was very loud throughout this time. For example, in Germany, Reformer Martin Luther declared, The temporal government, the state, has laws which extend no further than to life and property and external affairs on earth for God cannot and will not permit anyone but himself to rule over the soul. Therefore, where the temporal authority, the state, presumes to prescribe laws for the soul, it encampes upon God's government and only misleads souls and destroys them. In the Netherlands, Reformer Jacobus Arminius, 1560-1609, to 1609, pronounced the same doctrine, and in France, Reformer John Calvin taught, The church has no power of the sword to punish or to coerce, no authority to compel, no prisons, fines, or other punishments like those inflicted by the civil magistrate. The difference, therefore, is very great, because the church does not assume to itself what belongs to the magistrate, nor can the magistrate execute that which is executed by the church. In England, as in the rest of Europe, the state also ruled over the church. In fact, King Henry VIII, 1491 to 1547, had wanted a divorce, but when the church properly refused to grant him one, he started his own national church, the Anglican Church. And after decreeing its new state-established doctrines, he gave himself a divorce. Talk about fitting the, the words and scriptures to how you want them, huh? The English Parliament likewise passed laws stipulating who could take communion, who could be a minister of the gospel, etc., thus, governmentally controlling what should have been purely ecclesiastical church matters. Significantly, English Reformation minister Richard Hooker, 1554 to 1600, knew that it was wrong for the state to establish religious doctrines and dictate beliefs and practices for the church, so he called for a separation between the church and the Commonwealth, becoming the first to use the now famous separation phrase. Reverend, the Reverend John Greenwood, 1550-1593, expounded the same doctrine. Greenwood started the church that many of the pilgrims attended in England. At the time, Elizabeth, Henry VIII's daughter, was head over both state and church. When Greenwood argued there could be but one head to the church, and that it's head the queen but Christ, and that there could be no law for the government of the church other than by what the scriptures contained, he was executed by the queen. Parliament subsequently passed laws targeting and punishing those who, like Hooker and Greenwood, wanted to separate the state from the church. At which time, most of the pilgrims fled England, first to Holland, and then to America. Not surprising, Reformation-minded ministers and groups who traveled from Europe to America, such as the pilgrims, openly advocated the institutional separation of state and church. For example, the pilgrims declared, that government had no right to compel religion, to plant churches by power, and to force a submission to ecclesiastical government by laws of penalties. And the Reverend Roger Williams, 1603 to 1683, who founded Rhode Island, not long after the pilgrims arrived, similarly declared, first, that the government of the civil magistrate extendeth no further than over the bodies and goods of their subject, not over their souls. For they may not undertake to give laws unto the souls and the consciousness, consciousness of men. Secondly, that the church doth not use the arm of secular power to compel men to the true profession of the truth. For this is to be done with spiritual weapons, whereby Christians are to be exhorted, not compelled by the state. significantly the theological historic and legal purposes purpose for separating the state from the church was to prevent the state from meddling from meddling with interfering against or controlling the religious expressions or doctrines of the church however throughout history it had always been the civil authorities the state that took over the religious the religious authorities the church, not vice versa. It was therefore the state that had to be limited. It's kind of like when they shut down the churches during COVID, you know, they had no, they didn't have any authority to do that, no basis. In addition to the pilgrims and the Reverend Williams, other American Bible centered ministers and colonists also worked to keep the state separate from the church, including the Reverend John Wise, the Reverend William Penn, and many more. Thus, the philosophy of keeping this limited and at arm's length was planted deeply into American thinking, eventually be being enshr- enshrined nationally in the establishment and free exercise clauses of the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Notice that both religion clauses in that amendment were pointed directly at the state, not at the church. That is, the attachment clause prohibits the state from enforcing religious conformity, and the free exercise clause ensures that the state will protect rather than suppress, as it currently does, the citizen's religious expression, whether in public or private. And as you all know, that has definitely been violated. Legal authorities confirmed that the First Amendment and separation of church and state was pointed at the state, not at religion or the church. For example, stories, commentaries on the Constitution written in 1833 by Supreme Court Justice Joseph Story called a father of American Juris- jurisprudence and placed on the court by President James Madison succinctly states. The real object of the First Amendment was to prevent any national ecclesiastical establishment which should give an, an hierarchy to the exclusive patronage of the national government. In 1803, the U.S. Senate similarly affirmed that the First Amendment was a limitation against a state-established national church. And, you know, they're trying to do, bring in that one one church. You know, one religion, new world order stuff right now. In 1853, I think I just read that. Oh well. In 1853, the U.S. Senate similarly affirmed that the First Amendment was a limitation against the state-established national church. I'll read it again. That The clause speaks of an establishment of religion. What is meant by that expression? It referred, without doubt, to that establishment which existed in the mother country in Europe. They intended by this amendment to prohibit establishment of religion such as the English Church presented or anything like it. The following year, the U.S. House also declared that the First Amendment was to prevent the government from establishing specific theological or ecclesiastical doctrines explaining What is an establishment of religion? It must have a creed defining what a man must believe. It must have rights and ordinances which believers must observe. It must have ministers of defined qualifications to teach the doctrines and administer the rights. It must have tests for the submissive and penalties for the nonconformist. There never was an established religion without all of these. Thomas Jefferson, likewise, affirmed that the First Amendment was not pointed at citizens' religious beliefs or expressions, but rather only at the impropriety of the state interfering with them. Certainly, his most famous declaration on this subject was his famous separation of church and state, letter penned on January 1, 1802. In response to an October 7, 1801 letter he had received, from the Danbury Baptist Association. In the Baptist letter to him, those ministers, all strong and vocal proponents of the separation of the state from the church, expressed their grave concern that the government might try to regulate their religious beliefs or expressions. Imagine that. They believed that the government should not interfere with any public religious expression Unless, as they told Jefferson, someone's religious practice works ill to his neighbor. And that's how they've tried to manipulate us. This was also Jefferson's strongly held belief, so he did not hesitate in telling them that they had nothing to fear from the government intruding into or interfering with their religious beliefs or expressions assuring them that religion is a matter which is solely between man and his God; that he owes account to none other for his faith or his worship; that the legislative powers of government reach actions, reach actions only, and not opinions. I contemplate with their, with sovereign reverence that act of the whole American people, which declared that their legislator, legislature, should make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, the First Amendment, thus building a wall of separation between church and state. Jefferson used the separation metaphor the Danbury Baptists that the government would protect rather than impede the free exercise of a religion, that it would not attempt to control public, public religious expressions and thus secularize the public square. You now, I think it was just last week where a, um, I think it was a young, like under 20 male um, was arrested for just uh, talking about his beliefs. I think it was a uh, pro-life, there was a uh, pro-choice rally and he was talking about how, you know, you need to be for Jesus, and how it's a sin, and they arrested him. On numerous other occasions, Jefferson likewise affirmed that the purpose of the First Amendment was to prevent the government from regulating, restricting, or interfering with the people's religious expressions. It is therefore not surprising that when the U.S. Supreme Court invoked Jefferson's separation metaphor, it affirmed that the purpose of separation was to protect rather than limit public religious expressions, a position the courts maintained for a century and a half after Jefferson penned his famous letter. Very simply, separation was never intended to secularize the public square, as explained by early Quaker leader Will Wood. The separation of church and state does not mean the exclusion of God, righteousness, morality from the state. Early Methodist Bishop Charles Galloway likewise affirmed, The separation of the church from the state did not mean the severance of the state from God or of the nation from Christianity. This was the traditional understanding of separation of church and state. As practiced in America until a radical change occurred in 1947 in Everson versus Board of Education. In that case, the Supreme Court cited only Jefferson's wall of separation between church and state metaphor, ignoring the rest of his letter and its context context, as well as the centuries-old historical usage of that phrase, it boldly proceeded to announce a brand new policy. No longer would Jefferson's separation phrase be used to protect public religious expressions, but it would instead become a mandate to exclude them and to secularize the public square. For the very first time, the First Amendment became a limitation on individuals rather than government. Consequently, no longer does the First Amendment prohibit the establishment of a national church such as existed in England, France, and elsewhere, but instead it now prohibits an individual student from saying a prayer at a football game, graduation, or any other school event. An individual student from writing a research paper on a religious topic, drawing religious artwork in art class, or carrying his personal Bible onto school grounds. A choir from singing a religious song as part of a school concert. school from placing a Bible in a classroom library. Cadets at military academies from engaging in voluntary prayers over their meals literally hundreds of similar individual or group activities. The entire history of the separation doctrine was to prevent the state from taking control of religion and regulating public religious beliefs and ends. It was never to secularize or remove religious beliefs or expressions from public life. Modern courts by enacting their own creation doctrine that completely repudiates, the historical one have deprived society of the positive benefits it once experienced from public religious principles and expressions and and we're seeing that now. We're seeing a lot of that now all right now is judging the fruit Um, and then I think this will be the last one we're gonna run over just a little bit Oh, Mila, I wonder why it didn't have a show listed for today, because I posted it when I did Mondays. I went ahead and posted both of them. I think I actually did it last Thursday.
2: Hmm,
1: Only for the 17th. Uh, I wonder if it... Okay. So it may have, I may have, I may have made a boo-boo on that then because I know I didn't put one in for the 17th cause I didn't even know where we'd be at, um, since we were finished Jeremiah last week. I may have done the wrong date. Sorry, babe. That might've been my fault, not Podbean. So we'll, we'll give Podbean the benefit of the doubt. This is also from the Founder's Bible and this is in the section of luke it's uh right it's 1575. this is judging the fruit whether it regards cash jewels investments or art the world is full of fakes and counterfeits unfortunately so is religion throughout history many false prophets and teachers have come into churches As they continue to come today, speaking revelations in the name of God, some add, He spoke it to me directly. Say, The scriptures say so. So how do we know whether a person is a true prophet, a true pastor, a true teacher, or a sham? Recognizing that his followers would be approached by wolves masquerading as true disciples, Jesus gave us clear warning Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then, you will know them by their fruits. Matthew seven fifteen through twenty. The innocent appearance of all the false, of all false prophets, teachers, and preachers is necessary to seduce those who are believers. But the true nature of what they are becomes evident sooner or later. The way to tell whether they are true or false is to observe their fruit, their character, behavior. And most important, to test whether their watchings are in harmony with God's word. 1 John 4, 2-3 and Jude 3-4. Those who deviate from the word of God will eventually tear and destroy other spiritual lives as the things of a wolf. The Apostle Paul instructed us, examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. 1 Thessalonians 5:21. To judge a tree by its fruit. Is wisdom that is affirmed throughout scripture? God is serious about looking for good fruit from his people. For example, Jesus told this parable in 196 through nine. A man had a fig tree which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it, and it did not and did not find any. And he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I have come looking for fruit on the fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, for this year too, until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, cut it down. Notice four important points. he comes One, he comes looking for good fruit on his tree. Two, he allows a su- sufficient length of time, three years, for the tree to mature and produce fruit. Three, he compassionately gives it an extra year with special care to help it produce. And four, when he does not find fruit after all that, he cuts it down. For centuries, God had been expecting the nation of Israel to bring forth good fruit, but there had been none. Now Jesus had come, but even he was being rejected by them. However, God, who is long-suffering, will grant Israel more to at last turn to him but if his people continue to resist his love they will finally be cut off which is the ultimate heartbreaking reality that Jesus sorrowed so deeply over in the verses that follow Luke 13 34 to 35 referring to the destruction of Jerusalem by the romans in AD 70 and you know with lamentations we heard of we heard Jeremiah lament uh, through the pain of what took place when when God's wrath struck, you know, Babylon and 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 all of it started falling. It was just a, a desert wasteland. I mean, nothing. This principle of judging a tree by its fruit and cutting it down if it does not bear good fruit pertains not just to spiritual life, but to all of life. For example, founding Boudinot I'm not sure if I said that right, applied it directly to politics, noting that what political officials promise is not what matters, but rather what matters. He found this especially true when those who on one hand use heavy negative campaigning and biting criticism against their opponents, but offer grandois and inspiring promises about themselves on the other. As he explained. Mistaken and wicked men, who cannot live but in troubled waters, are often laboring with indefatigable zeal, which sometimes proves but too successful minds and derange the best formed systems. pretensions, censorious insinuations are always at hand to transfer the deadly poison of jealousy, by which the best citizen may be deceived. These considerations should lead. To the religiously careful in our choice of all public officers, and as they begin power at very short periods elections, lend not too easily a patient ear to every invidious insinuation, malignant suggestion, or improbable story, but prudently mark the effects of their public measures and judge of the tree by its fruits. A prudent suspicion of our public measures is a great security for a republic government. Today, this truth remains unchanged. Therefore, whenever examining political candidates in any race, listen carefully to their words, but also consult any voting record that they may have. Learn to judge a political tree by its fruits, not by its campaign promises or slogans. And if a elected official does not produce good fruit, then, as referenced in Luke 13, dig him up and get him out of the vineyard. Plant someone else in that position who will produce good fruit. I really liked how it said, you know, to look at their, their voting record. Listen to their words, but consult their voting record. You know, and that's something that we don't get a chance to really look at because... You know, they're, they're constantly, once one election's done, they're already, you get like a month, and then it's back to it again. And so, this constant distractions, and, and keeping your mind on one thing, and then the tit for tat, those really, you know, those could be very distracting, because then it gets, it gets us into our fleshly desires, where we're more trying to defend, and, and a lot of times, people don't even know exactly what they're defending. But their pride or whatever might have been hurt. So they're like, oh, okay, well, i got to stand up. Well, not all the time. Look and see you start saying, because sometimes you'll be surprised. And I think with that, we're going to go ahead and close. Um... I wanted to do Judgment of the Nations, but it's longer and we don't have enough time for that. So I'm going to, um, oh, song scripture, my thoughts. I was just talking about you earlier today in the parable of the widows read it earlier. Great advice, girl. Great advice. Um, I'm going to get a little bit of music going for us to, um, See if we've got any prayer requests. This one was one that Jennifer Renee shared. It's powerful.
0: I just gotta get it pulled back up.
1: So if you'll put any of your prayer requests in the chat, um, this is about four and a half, almost five minutes, and then we'll we'll pray. Jennifer, thank you so much, sis. If you hear this, for sharing that song with us because it was wonderful. I am pain-free still. Um, I passed a giant kidney stone this morning. Uh, Part of one, I know they're still, they've been in my kidney since 2017. Um, One in the left, one in the right, and my coworkers named them Thelma and Louise. that year, I had so much going on. They found it by accident, actually. Um, they were looking at my pancreas because I had some stuff going on with it. And here we are. But I was reading a comment. She said, uh, she. I truly believe in the power of prayer. One experience I had praying for over a decade for something that never happened. One day I realized that what I was praying for was not meant for me. I am now so grateful for my prayer that also go unanswered. God knows what I need. All of you too sis. I'm glad to have you here Liz. I was talking I played your song this morning um at the beginning. Um the psalm 91 that one with uh victory that was a great song i did go ahead and do our um our red drawing at while the music was going and so this month since i forgot to do it monday this month's giveaway winner is flightworks mary um if y'all want i can screenshot the set range on the randomizer, it was number 14. And when I went through the number of members in Knickknacks, hers is the 14th. So Flightworks Mary is our winner for this month for August. Um, we'll do another drawing in September. So make sure you're in Knickknacks to get in on that. It's t.me slash N-I-K-K-I-S, N-A-K-S um, on Telegram. And that just follows with the channel. Um, it's, there's a variety of different things that I put in there, but most of it does tend to go with the channel. Um, there's some books in there as well. Um, I have a topic section, giveaway winners. Conley, Connie, Connie, CL Klein was our winner for July. And then now Flightworks Mary for August. We just started July. I'm just sending out something small, just a... A way to brighten up the day because you guys have been so wonderful for me to me um, with prayers and blessings and helping us get our camper trying to rem- uh, get the mold out of here and get it back to where it needs to be and um, Mila she was so sweet and sent me a washer because I'd been washing clothes by hand and my washer broke um, and she sent me that so I want to be able to. You know, give back. It's not going to be nothing. I mean, I'm not Oprah. I think, I'm not Oprah. So everybody doesn't get a car. But um, just a little something small to say thanks and to brighten your day up. And I'm trying to do it based off of how well I know them and and stuff like that. Thank you, Lens. I appreciate that. You're so sweet. It's what I can do with the time that I have and you know i'm not able to work right now so it just helps me um some scripture my thought says there's also another scripture found in luke 13 11 of a woman who had an issue for 15 years that's awesome and um anytime if y'all want to i do this because i love doing it i enjoy it if anybody ever wants to support or anything i did set up buy me a coffee and I have that posted in um, Knickknack's room somewhere. Um, but it's just, buy me a coffee. I don't remember what the name on that is. Oh, look. It's pretty new. Um, thank you to those that did give to that already. I appreciate that. Let's see if I can figure out where that actual like name thing is. I'm very new to this on that but i um i go on the book nook on telegram and that's what she uses and so um i was like oh that's good i mean i don't ever charge for this but okay so the buy me a coffee it's bmc dot link slash knickknacks n-i-k-n-a-k-s but to those that have um thank you i appreciate that um I, it goes back into stuff either for like a book that I'm going to read all to, to help with like um, scripture or gardening or something like that or feeding birds, buying feed for the birds or something like that. So, oh, she got the scripture for us. So Luke thirteen eleven to 12. And there was a woman who for 18 years had a sickness caused by a spirit. and She was bent over double and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you were freed from your sickness. I think that, yeah, those are two really good ones. Thank you. We needed that this morning. All right, and I didn't get any prayer requests, so we're going to go ahead and go into prayer, guys. I have kept y'all here long enough. It's been a wonderful se- uh, session today. Friendship today was great. heavenly father we thank you for this time that you've allowed us to gather together to go over um what this the separation of church and state was and is and um how to judge the fruit so we can be able to better discern with all the the law and the sea of manipulators right now that we're seeing this helps us to be able to discern and and to know who is for us and who is against us who is for you and who is against you father so thank you for that thank you for my health and for the health of all of those here thank you for a another pain-free morning of waking up father thank you for our children thank you for investing them with us and father we pray for those children we pray that that all of them know you and speak to you daily and that those children that are being abused father we pray for redemption, for the rescuing of these children for the justice to be delivered swiftly and fast so that way they can be be free and be made whole again father for all of us that are struggling with sickness or with health issues or a job, Father. I just pray that you hear hear the prayers going up and that you answered them fully if that is your will, Father, because you know what's best for us. We don't. And so, Father, we just we just ask that you hear those. For Lisa, I just want to ask another prayer for for her dad again, Father, because suicide is a very serious, scary thing. And and Father, I'm just so so heartbroken over what she's going through and i just pray that that you reach her dad and and help him overcome this father with your light you can over you can help him overcome this father for those that need the rains i just pray for the rains to come to nourish and hydrate everything that's needed all the plants and the animals are needing that in different areas where there's been a severe drought. So Father, please, please intercede there. Um, China's seen some of the worst flooding. America's seeing some very significant coral activity. So Father, we just pray that, that your hand works smoothly and swiftly here. Father, thank you for giving us Jesus and our salvation the mercy that you granted us to have the amazing grace and be saved, Father, because we don't deserve it, but you you wanted that for us. So thank you. Thank you for Jesus and the fact that we can repent for our sins. We can seek him. We can open up our Bible at any time and have a conversation with him to learn more about him and you. So, Father, thank you for that. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, yes, Linz, Hawaii, Hawaii has gotten um, bad fires. Father, just for the people in Hawaii, be with them. Those scenes have have looked horrible, Father. Amen. Okay, now we got them. Guys, thank you all for being here. I love you guys. We'll be back Monday at 11 a.m. time. Um, We're going to be covering our, we'll be starting the book of Ezekiel. So we'll be starting a new book on Monday, 11 a.m. And we will continue through that one until we get done. We just finished Jeremiah and Lamentations, which was pretty awesome. Um, Jeremiah was very fitting for this time. So I'm going to play Lindsay's song that she sent me. Again. Um, beautiful song. Thank you for that by Victory Board Boyd. You guys have a wonderful blessed day, and I'll see you online.
0: of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, Him will I trust. Surely He shall From the snare of the flower and from the perilous pestilence He shall cover you with feathers and under His wings shall you take refuge He shall cover you with feathers and under His wings shall you take refuge His truth shall be your shield and work hard you shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the violence that walks in the darkness nor of destruction that lays waste at noonday a thousand may fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand but it shall not come near you Shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge away. In their hands they shall bear you up Lest you dash your foot against the stone You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra The young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot Because he has set his Love upon me Deliver him I will set him on high Because he has known my name. He shall call upon. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With love I will satisfy him. And show him my salvation. From the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. With feathers and under his wings shall you take refuge. Oh, he shall cover you with feathers and under his wings shall you take refuge shall be your shield and buckler you shall not be afraid of the terror by night nor the arrow that lies by dead, and in the darkness nor of destruction that lays waste at noonday. day a thousand may fall at thy side and ten thousand at the My right
2: hand to you